Today is Monday, the 22nd of February 2021, and we're close to a very important day in the Buddha Sasana, which is Maga Puja Day. And uh, this is a very significant uh, event that uh, on this day the Buddha laid down a teaching the principles of the practice that all of the Buddhas um, lay down. It's the heart of Buddhism. Uh, the heart of the teachings of all Buddhas. And so just like our physical heart within our bodies, it's a very important organ that's necessary. And uh, this teaching it's a very significant uh, teaching about the fundamentals of the practice. And it's something that every single Buddha teaches, all of them lay down these principles, which uh, can be gathered together into three principles, uh, which is the uh, abandoning of all evil, the giving rise to skillfulness and making that complete and full and bringing the mind to purity and this is the teachings of all buddhas every single buddha teaches this and uh, all of the buddhas in the future will lay down this teaching as well in this way so that we are able to come to study this heart of the teachings of every single buddha it shows that we have a lot of merit uh, because there are many humans who have been born who uh, aren't able to meet with these teachings. They don't get to study them or know them. And uh, there are also many who do listen to them, uh, but they don't show much of an interest in them. But for us to hear these teachings and then have the sincerity to practice and put those uh, into practice. It shows that uh, we have developed a lot of parami, either from past lives or from this life. And uh, maybe 30 or 40 years ago, we became interested in this practice. And we can see that that time, 30, 40 years ago, we can refer to that as a previous life. It's uh, normal that having been born into this world, we are deluded. We are lost in the sense of self. We become distracted and amused by the sense pleasures of this world. And uh, we unknowingly do many unskillful things. Uh, but we can also, or people who are like this, also uh, do many meritorious things as well, or do some meritorious things following the traditions of their society. But for people to come to practice sitting in meditation, it's only very, very few who are able to do this. Uh, because of this enticement and amusement and or amusement and the sense pleasures of the world. And uh, so, therefore, uh, for us to be interested um, in 
this heart of the teachings of the Buddha, it shows that we already have much merit. We've already developed um, some degree of parami. And so we have this uh, sincerity and we also have uh, these ideals or these uh, high aspirations uh, of our practice. And the very highest of those is Nibbāna. So the abandoning of all harmful acts, the giving rise and uh, completion of skillfulness and bringing the mind to purity, this is the path that takes us to Nibbāna. So that we're able to abandon harmful acts through our body and speech. Uh, this requires sila, it's virtue. And sila is within the noble path. And this uh, becomes a foundation for our heart. And uh, when we have the sila, this virtue, we also have kindness and compassion there within us. And we have the intention and the sincerity to abandon harmful acts through our body and through our speech. And uh, on a more subtle level, we abandon these through our mind as well, the harmful acts of mind. And so in total, we do this through all of them, through body, speech, and mind. And... uh, to abandon that which arises through body and speech, we need sila, so the five precepts, for instance. We have a heart that has kindness and compassion, that knows how to, to give, to sacrifice, and this is normal for us. And when we do this habitually, um, then we're able to abandon uh, this evil or this harmfulness to the highest degree. We can abandon selfishness. We uh, abandon selfishness on the coarse level, on a medium level, and on the subtle level. So just like when we come together to live in a society, um, everyone needs to to do their own part in abandoning their selfishness, so that that society is able to um, to be in a state of peace, and people can live together uh, in harmony. And we don't fight with each each other, we don't uh, discriminate and separate out into us and them, but rather we have harmony, and this harmony brings happiness within a society. So just like for the monks, uh, doing the morning chanting, the evening chanting, helping out with the various duties and works around the monastery, um, this is conducive to concord in the community. And uh, all of us also individually need to take care of our practice um, that will work to free us from suffering. We maintain the standards of the monastery. Uh, We care for the vinya, for our monastic code. Study the patimoka, and then put that into practice. And through doing this, um, the society that we live in can be peaceful and cool. And it's the same in the workplace of lay people, um, that if there is harmony there, um, a sense of concord uh, between the boss and the workers, 
that each person uh, does their duties, they help out each other working together uh, for a common goal. They're all sacrificing and uh, giving up their selfishness. Now when this happens, uh, then there is kindness and compassion in that workplace. And we try to not speak any words uh, that come through a mind of anger or a heart of ill will, actions or speech that will cause harm. We refrain from those. And in our present society, in this day and age, um, we can make merit quite easily, but we can also do harmful deeds very quickly uh, because communication technology is uh, so rapid, so fast. And uh, it's possible for us uh, to create a lot of bad feelings uh, amongst many people through our uh, communication in these platforms. Maybe we make a comment and uh, we don't specify exactly who that comment is about, uh, but it can still bring a lot of uh, hurtful feelings um, to many, many people, and it can get spread all over the world. And when we do this, we are breaking our precepts, and harmful acts, Papa, has arisen already because we're harming others through our speech. And it's easy for this to spread very quickly all over the world. And when people uh, know about these, this word or this uh, form of communication, then anger or ill will can arise very quickly within them. And they too then experience uh, papa, this uh, wrongdoing or harmful acts within their hearts. But when we have a mind of peace, a mind that is calm. This can also help to make the minds of others calm as well. When our minds are at ease, they're in a cool state, then we're able to make the hearts of those around us at ease and cool as well. And it's also the same with the agitated mind, the mind that's very stirred up. Um, For people who don't know their own hearts, It's easy for them to stir up other people as well. Uh, So therefore, we need to gain an understanding of this training, of this practice, the heart, the principles of Buddhism. And uh, firstly, this is abandoning um, harmful acts. And uh, this is very broad. What this covers is many, many different things. Uh, But if we're going to summarize it, then... It's the harmful acts of our body, speech, and mind. So when we look with mindfulness, we can ask, well, what is this papa? How does it arise? How does harm come about? So if we uh, speak in any way that is harsh, that is coarse, that is harmful or not beneficial, uh, then this is papa arising already. And also comes through taking the lives of other beings or bringing about any difficulty, any um, kind of burden 
on other beings, and this is something that we shouldn't do. And uh, also the harmful acts that arise within our minds um, can include things like uh, focusing on other people's faults and also giving rise to a mind that wishes to harm. So the Buddha taught us to abandon all of these things, to develop generosity, to be someone who likes to give, someone who has a heart of kindness and compassion. And uh, initially we give our material things, uh, we give the requisites uh, to others, uh, but we can also give our forgiveness, we can give our respect. When we gain merit, we can share that with others. Um, we can give our humility. And uh, for those who give, they experience this ease uh, within their own hearts. And when they have this ease internally, it shows that they have sila. The fact that we are able to give shows that we have kindness and compassion. And as we carry on doing this, then the harmful acts that we do decrease and decrease steadily. But as for the mental papa, um, these demerits or evil that arises in the heart, um, this can come through our thoughts and initially we can't control these. Uh, maybe there'll be harmful thoughts. There'll be thoughts of wanting to seek revenge, wanting to cause uh, hurt to others. And uh, we can reduce these through the practice, through the, the effort that we put into abandoning this papa internally. Uh, any that has arisen, we work to abandon it. Any that is unarisen, we put in the effort for it not to arise, and this is right effort. So it's the right effort of uh, abandoning uh, these unskillful states. And we also have right intention as well. And uh, this falls within the noble path that the Buddha taught. So when we don't harm others, uh, then we also practice that through our right livelihood as well. That through our occupations, we don't inflict harm or damage upon any beings. And even though we may have to compete with others, uh, that's normal, but we do it through mindfulness and wisdom. Uh, and we do it while established in sila, dhamma, within virtue and the precepts. And this too keeps us within this noble path. So all of the actions that we make within our hearts are for the purpose of bringing about uh, peace. And we, um, and when we do this, this is a form of merit and skillfulness that arises internally. And uh, initially we may make merit with the wish to get something in return, and that's normal. If we do this merit-making on a very high level, then we do it for the purpose of abandoning the sense of self. But in the beginning, we still have that sense of self, so don't worry about it. Uh, we 
go about slowly go about uh, reducing our attachments uh, to this. But initially, we will still have that attachment. Maybe we practice and we have the feeling that I'm better than others. I'm a better practitioner than others. Uh, when we do merit, when we keep our precepts, then we have this feeling of I am good. But don't worry about that. It's very normal for that to come up. Uh, we just carry on practicing, developing mindfulness, developing uh, samadhi, trying to bring up skillful acts as much as we can. And even though the thoughts, uh, I am better than others, may come up, uh, we that thought won't really cause any damage. But rather we just uh, focus on bringing up our inspiration. And these thoughts of I am good may help to bring up inspiration. That's something that we do initially. And uh, we should feel good about the practice that we do if we can keep the standards of the monastery and uh, practice well. Now, this is something that the noble beings praise. Um, caring for the precepts, being devoted uh, to this practice, it really is something good. And uh, for the, and also, we need to try to be the foremost in something. Um, this is true for both the monks and the laity. The laity have faith. And uh, you can be the foremost in something, the foremost chanter, the foremost giver, uh, the foremost in being charitable, the foremost in listening to the Dhamma and having respect for the Dhamma. And this is how we cultivate our paramis, our spiritual maturity. And uh, we carry on doing this, carry on developing merit in this way until the mind reaches a state of brightness, until we're able to bring the skillfulness to completion. And that it's able to come to a state of completion uh, is due to our practice. And that we're able to gain knowledge is due to the wisdom that comes up. And if we have wisdom, then we see the Dhamma. And what is the Dhamma? Essentially, it's inconstancy, it's stress, it's not self, anicca, dukkha, anatta, this is the Dhamma. And when we see this, then we see the Buddha. Seeing the Buddha means that we see anicca, dukkha, anatta, that we see that all physicality and mentality is inconstant, is unsatisfactory, is not self. And this shows that uh, we have seen the Dhamma, that we've attained to the Dhamma. And we attain to the Dhamma, then really we attain to this anicca, dukkha, anatta. And uh, by doing that, we don't attach to any physicality or mentality. But in the beginning, we need to try. We need to put in our efforts first in order to be able to see the Dhamma. Because this Dhamma is something that's already opened and revealed. And when we cultivate wisdom so that manifests within us, then we will see this truth. But for wisdom to be able to manifest, it needs a basis of samadhi and mindfulness. And when we have this samadhi, then there'll be internal joy, this great sense of uh, inner satisfaction. 
Uh, but when the mind is is absorbed within that state, it's not able to see the Dhamma. But it's when it retracts from that and is able to see, perceive that all uh, physical and mental phenomena are anicca, dukkha, anatta, and then it will see the Dhamma. And uh, really, it just requires us seeing this breath, for instance, the breath come and go, arise and cease. So when we breathe in, we can say, we can tell ourselves, this isn't me. When we breathe out, we tell ourselves, this isn't me. And if we see this clearly, then this is vipassana. And when we have this very clear mindfulness over the breath, then clear insight can arise. And uh, if this happens, um, then sila, samadhi, and panya, they all gather together and we gain a really bright and uh, clear knowledge. We see distinctly that there is no true me or mine. So we have already studied and know intellectually that this body is composed of cells. Initially it was just two cells, and then they expand or they proliferate very quickly. It goes from two to four and then to eight, to 16, to 32, to 64, 128. This happens very quickly. And then to 256. And uh, every part of this body is made of cells. Uh, But the mind comes in and attaches to each and every cell as me. But all of these cells have their own lifespan. Uh, When they are born, they require the food that a body digests uh, for their survival. Uh, That we take in oxygen, we take in water, and then the blood carries this and other nutrients uh, to the various cells in the body so that they can grow. And then when they start to deteriorate, then new cells are born. Uh, But we don't see this happening because it happens on such a subtle level. Uh, But the number of cells that die in the space of one day is enormous. However, new cells come up in their place. And uh, if they aren't born in time, these new cells, um, then we start seeing the old age of the body clearly. If these cells start to degenerate a lot, then pain arises. And we need to take medication to uh, look after that. But if the medication doesn't work so well, then the body can deteriorate very quickly. And at that point, we'll quite easily be able to see the inconstancy of the body. But really, this body, all physicality and mentality, is always inconstant already. It never stays still. It's always in a state of flux. These cells are constantly deteriorating. All we have to do is to look at our breath, to see this, that the breath comes in, it stays for just a very short time, and then it goes. And if we didn't breathe in just that, then none of the cells in the body would be able to survive. All of them would have to die that if we didn't take in any new oxygen for five minutes, then this body will die. And so it happens very quickly. 
but we don't see that uh, because there is this continuity of the breath that it comes and goes. We have the in-breath and we have the out-breath that comes right after that. And it's this continuity which obstructs our view of inconstancy. We're not able to see it. And when things coagulate, come together, then we take that as a self. Uh, But if we separate that thing out, we'll see that there's no true self there within it. That uh, all of the organs within the body, they are comprised of cells. And we separate those cells out, we'll see that they are not self. We'll see them as being empty. Or we can look at how we have to change our posture all the time. And that if we sit for a long time, meditation, we don't move, then we start to feel very distinctly the suffering of this body. And uh, that's why we always need to be changing, to be moving. If we see this clearly, then wisdom can arise. But uh, sati, our mindfulness, our samadhi, the collectiveness of mind, is something that's very important. and something that we do need to train in. And we carry on training until skillfulness becomes complete. And when it is complete, then wisdom arises. Our minds are dark because of the presence of delusion within them, because they are so caught up in me and mine. Uh, But for brightness to appear within the heart, it requires us to gain knowledge. And all of us wish for a mind that's pure, that's bright. Those that come to ordain all wish to see the Dhamma, we may want for this, we may wonder what it's like, what sotapanna is like. We want to get to this state. But sotapannas are those who abandon wrong view and give rise to right views. They don't have this sense of me or them. And uh, if we always have a sense of self that comes up continuously, then this becomes a continuous cause of suffering. And everything that we do, we do for me, uh, for my own sake. And uh, so it's important in the practice for us to abandon this self, to abandon selfishness. And so therefore in the uh, beginning, however, we still have attachment to a self, we need to take that self to abandon unskillful acts. And then we come to give rise to skillfulness until it becomes complete. And even though we haven't yet abandoned the sense of self, uh, we carry on practicing in this way. We sit in meditation and uh, bring up a lot of mindfulness. And when we have effort, then skillfulness uh, arises. For any skillful states that are yet to arise, we bring those up. Uh, But the maintaining of skillfulness is something that is quite difficult. The skillful states that have arisen to uh, maintain those is tough, just like with samadhi. That if we can get into a state of kanaka samadhi or Uh, upajara samadhi or apana samadhi, Uh, this 
as something that arises, stays for a bit, and then ceases. It's not easy uh, to bring this up again once it's arisen. Uh, But it's even more difficult for us to maintain that state. Uh, But we shouldn't worry about that. We just try to carry on developing it, try to carry on (coughs) giving rise to these states of samadhi. And even though it's difficult, we have this path of practice that will lead us to success. So we have this sense of self in our practice, but we carry on going until we're able to reach internal peace and stillness. And through that, we see the Dhamma. And so we see the Dhamma of Samadhi. We gain the Dhamma of Panya, of clear knowing. And then we're able here to put things down. And this is where we can put down the feeling of self because we've seen the Dhamma. We've clearly seen Nibbana within our own hearts. And here is where the mind turns bright and pure. And for those who are devoted to this practice, it is something that we can do. It's not beyond our abilities. So we should bring up this highest aspiration to reach this within this present life, uh, to get to Nibbana in this life. That is something that we can do. And to really be firm in our ideals, uh, to not allow things to shake us and out of them, but to be sincere in this way. And uh, this ideology also requires a methodology, and that is uh, the path of sila, samadhi, and banya, of morality, of collectiveness of mind, and of wisdom. And uh, for monks, we maybe have standards of practice that are stricter than those of lay people. Uh, but for all of us, we walk this path of sila, samadhi, and banya uh, that take us to abandoning um, harmful deeds. Uh, to giving rise to skillfulness, to making the mind bright and pure. And this is the heart of Buddhism, the heart of all the teachings of all Buddhas um, that uh, the Buddha taught on Maga Puja Day. So he also taught us to be restrained, to be cautious, um, for monks to be restrained within the Padimoka, for lay people to be restrained within the five or eight precepts. And so we use these to train our minds to uh, become peaceful, to gather together into samadhi. And uh, we are so we are people who are devoted towards this inner peace. Anywhere we go, we don't talk much. We try to speak little. We try to be restrained. We try to always be bringing up a calm mind and try to be mindful and contemplate that each day and each night is passing away very quickly. These things are inconstant. And uh, many, many Buddhas, all of the Buddhas, they taught these teachings, uh, these principles of uh, the Dhamma. And for us, we've been stuck in the cycle of birth and death for a very long time now. But now we've had the good fortune to meet with the teachings of the Buddha in this life. And uh, this shows that we have a lot of merit, that we've developed a lot of skillfulness already. So I give my Anamod and I rejoice in all of your sincerity um, that you have these high ideals. 
and this sincerity, this devotion to seeing the Dhamma, and it's not something that's too difficult for us to do. We just try to be very, very mindful. Always be keeping this mindfulness there within our hearts and making our hearts firm within the satipatthanas. Whether we're standing, walking, sitting, lying down, whether we're speaking, whether we're listening, whether we're eating, we always have mindfulness there. And seeing the body as just the body. And uh, this seeing the body as just the body is the first uh, stage that will take us to knowing the Dhamma, uh, to seeing with clarity that this body is just a collection of elements, that it needs to break apart, there's no true self there within it. So may all of you know the Dhamma, may all of you attain to the Dhamma, may all of you see the Dhamma, may you set your hearts on this.